Today is May 8th, Monday. That's important as you listen to what Joe Biden just said. As we approach Memorial Day this weekend uh, and Memorial Day weekend, I'm rushing it. That's right. Joe Biden saying, as we approach Memorial Day this weekend, Memorial Day is May 29th, three weeks from today. Yet this man is running for re-election. And when they try to steal the election, we're supposed to believe that he is the winner. That people like having a person who doesn't even know what day of the week or the, where in the month he is. We have, we're supposed to have confidence in this man. Oh, that's right. No one ever had confidence in him. That's why he lost every single time he tried to run for president, including in 2020, because the election was stolen and rigged. Welcome to Open Source News. I am your brother. I am your host. My name is James BCP, and this is BCP Unfiltered. Appreciate you being here. This is the unfiltered version of the BCP podcast. All right. Rip, Ray Leora, he died last year, and now we're finding out why he died. Tell me if perhaps, just perhaps, this may sound a little familiar. Let's look at this. We've got this article here from TMZ. Hear me out, folks. I, I know you're like, BCP? You're not actually quoting TMZ. Hold your horses. There's a method to my madness. <laughs> Cause of death revealed. Heart and lungs gave out. Ray Liotta's cause of death has been released. Officials in the Dominican Republic found heart and respiratory issues caused last year's tragic passing. Hmm. Why would they call this a tragic passing? Because he was 67 years old. He was filming a movie out in the DR, in the Dominican Republic. And now they're saying that there was respiratory insufficiency, pulmonary edema, you know, fluid in the lungs, and acute heart failure. I don't know much, folks, but every time someone dies of these things, somewhat unexpectedly, I don't know, Call me a conspiracy theorist. But I start to, oh, I don't know. I start to remember that there was a bioweapon masquerading as a COVID-19 vaccine that have taken the lives of many people with similar in similar ways. I don't know what happened there, but I thought I'd mention it. Okay, let me follow up. Now, this morning or earlier today, we had an episode of BCP Unfiltered, the open source news edition, the, the open uh, free edition. And I talked briefly on Jordan Neely. Well, there's protesters disrupting the New York City subway to protest the death of Jordan Neely. They are standing on the, uh, as you can see here, they're jumping on the tracks. Uh, they're not letting people off uh, the, the subways. It's absolute chaos and tyranny. And of course, that's how the operation or that's how the Marxists operate. Now, kudos to Elon Musk, who asked a very poignant and important question. So Adam B. Coleman had tweeted out 
that video I showed you. These protesters must be from out of town. New York rule number one, don't make me miss my effing train or we got problems. Elon Musk with the very, like I said, very, very poignant question. Why didn't they protest when the children were murdered at the Christian school? They are disingenuous. Well, they are disingenuous. And of course, they also, let's be honest, they also hate Christians and Christian children. I mean, that's how evil they are. They're like, oh yeah, Christian children got killed. Oh, but also it was transgender person who did it. Oh, yeah, we'll just be silent on that. But a mentally ill, violent, repeat offender gets subdued and accidentally killed. Oh, he, the, the, the guy who subdued him was white and he's black. Oh, yeah, we're going to get pissed over this. But not about the children. Oh, it's always about the children. The Republicans and the conservatives and the Second Amendment people don't care about the children. That is what they say on the left. But as Elon Musk, who is not a right winger, points out, they are disingenuous. Then you have uh, this nuttery. Check out this nuttery. This was on the majority report a few days ago. And I, I guess, folks, I guess it's bougie. I guess it is uh, white, maybe, white privilege to actually have the audacity to want to be safe when traveling on trains and on public transportation. Now, of course, I believe that we should be empathetic to people and their problems, but that doesn't mean that we forego our safety and let crazy, mentally ill people run rampant and hurt us just to be sensitive. This is ridiculous. Anyway, listen to what Emma Vigeland said on the Majority Report a few days ago. This is, this is leftist lunacy. This is leftist, leftist logic lunacy. At its finest. Um, I, I was hit at one point sitting on the subway by a man who was having a mental health episode. He sat next to me and he was elbowing and kind of flailing around and hit, hit me in the face and in my body. And I, I it was jarring. Right. Um, the idea that I I would want him to be hurt in any way. I just didn't want to be near him in that moment because mm -hmm. I understood something was going on here. Liberal logic for the loss. Wanting to protect yourself in this de demented, weird mind of Emma means that you wish harm on someone else. Defending yourself doesn't mean that you wish harm on the other person. It means that you want to stop the other person from harming you, your family, your country, your nation, your children. So with that baseline set of lunacy, she continues and then just goes, into total cuckoo land. Every one of us who's taken public transit has had this kind of situation, something similar happen, seeing someone struggling. That doesn't mean that our fear in that instance, and I was a little scared because I, my, I, I was hit. It's a problem. Like, it's but, people but, that but, need but help. I would, but like, my fear is not the primary, right. uh, primary uh, object of like what we should be focusing on right now. It's the fact that this person is in pain. Um, and so, like, the politics of dehumanization privileges the, the bourgeois kind of concern of people's, like, immediate discomfort in this narrow, narrow instance, as opposed to larger humanity and life. It's really freaking twisted. Yeah, I just... Wow. 
it's really twisted that in the moment of someone being mentally ill and endangering your life, that you are concerned for your safety. I'm sorry, Emma. I don't think people who want to preserve their life and safety and are concerned with their life and safety, perhaps to neutralizing and hurting a threat, their primary concern should not be the, the stable mental being of the person in the moment they're doing a threat. So if, if you were, this, this is a horrible example that I'm about to give folks. I'm about to give an absolutely horrific example. But Emma, if a guy came and was trying to rape you, are you going to be concerned about his feelings? Now, we know that rape is mostly a crime of power and violence. Are you going to be worried about his state of mind? Oh, he's raping me. I wonder if, I wonder if, uh, poor guy, he's got a power complex. Poor guy, he's horny. No, this is ridiculous. And this is the, the, folks, this is the type of mental illness that is in the media, that is in all kinds of lower staff and higher staff positions in the Democrat Party. This is the kind of lunacy that is making woke policy at your job or university or school or local or federal government agency or bureaucracy for which you work and which make rules and regulations for the rest of us. I think one of the major issues, now we do have an issue of morality, of good versus evil, but I think another major problem we have is something as simple as, oh, I don't know, critical thinking skills and being able to suppress feelings and emotions for logic. Now, of course, as a Christian, I do agree partly with what nutbag Emma is saying here. And I know that's not very Christian of me to call her a nutcase. But uh, I'm an imperfect Christian. I'm sorry. She does have a point that it is important that we have empathy. And, and that's the problem, folks. The problem isn't this young man, uh, what was his name, Daniel Perry, who... who subdued him, and then accidentally killed him. The problem, of course, is the rampant mental illness that we have to deal with, the homelessness, and, of course, the, rev the revolving door of criminals in places like New York City where they aren't prosecuting. And these people are being let go before the paperwork is even processed on their arrest. Okay, let's lighten the mood up a little bit. Dr. Jill was shoved in the cheap seats in the back during the coronation of King Charles today. Now, some of the Gateway Pundits said, did John Kerry have better seats than the fake doctor? And then we've got this little, <laughs> we've got this here, folks. John Kerry. <laughs> Climate grifter John Kerry turned up at the coronation wearing his fake medals as he pushes the fake climate crisis while doing his fake job. I don't know who Clockford Files is, but I like them. And guess what? I would like this too. But of course, I'm still banned from Twitter. Yeah, it looks like he's a lot closer than uh, Jill was. What say thou? Absolute nuttery. 
Okay. This is a important story that we're about to uh, break, but let, let, let's do a, a reminder of where we've been and where we're at so far. There has been a new allegation from House Republicans and the Senate, let's put this up there on the screen, who are subpoenaing the FBI for alleged Biden records. Now the White House has gone ahead and denounced this as innuendo, but the subpoena itself is kind of interesting. They are saying that Christopher Wray, the FBI director, is asking to be provided for records that relate to President Biden and his family. They say that there has been a new surfaced allegation based on an unnamed whistleblower made to Congress, specifically alleging that the Bureau has a document which describes a criminal scheme involving President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. In other words, uh, pay for play. Biden was vice president and relates, includes a quote, precise description of it. This seeks all of the forms, accompanying attachments, and documents that are around this investigation. The lawmakers, quote, use the term alleged throughout the opening paragraph, saying that they're not saying this is necessarily true, just that there is a credible whistleblower disclosure around this. The FBI has not yet uh, responded for comment. Likely they're going to say it's an ongoing investigation. We don't release documents or whatever related to this investigation, which could eventually lead to the uh, release of the, or possible like exposure of the whistleblower, which in my opinion would be great. But the Biden White House is calling it innuendo. Okay. So that's just kind of setting the stage for where we're at. But now we've got some new updates to all of this. This is not new and was known not just in 2020, but prior to 2020. And I'm not talking 2019. I'm talking Joe Biden bribery allegations were brought to the DOJ in 2018, two years before similar claims by whistleblower. And I'm sorry, folks, there. I, uh, I meant to have a transitional article talking, uh, showing you about the whistleblower that has met and is getting protection, talking about the bribery allegations, the pay for play, the changing of policy because of this bribery thing. I apologize. There was a, a, a missing, it's probably somewhere else. I am human and fallible. We know that back in 2018 now, that these Joe Biden bribery allegations were brought to the DOJ. Two whole years before the current whistleblower situation that we find ourselves in. Okay, so here we go. Here's the report uh, from the New York Post. Explosive bribery allegations involving Joe Biden and foreign nationals were brought to the Department of Justice as early as 2018 Two years before similar allegations against the president were made by the whistleblowers now talking to the House Oversight Committee. Bud Cummins, a former federal prosecutor, first reported the bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman. Back, look look at this date, October 4th, 2018. That's a full two years before the 2020 elections. Wow. This happened in an email claiming that he had evidence that Joe Biden had, quote, exercised influence to protect his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. 
In the email obtained by John Solomon's Just the News, Cummins said that Ukraine's then-prosecutor general, Yuri Lichensko, wanted to travel to the United States to meet Berman and could produce two John Doe witnesses to corroborate his claims about the Bidens, but Berman never responded to the email. Oh, you know what? He probably just didn't see it. He probably, you know what? He probably just didn't see the email. Or he doesn't recall the email. Or no comment. That'll probably be the reply that we get if and when this is ever questioned about what happened in 2018. Instead, in a move, Cummins says seemed like retaliation on December 9th, 2019, in the middle of the impeachment proceedings against President Donald Trump, federal prosecutors secretly obtained data from Cummins' iPhone with a grand jury subpoena to Apple. In other words, instead of investigating the claim, they investigated the whistleblower. This is how it is, folks. They always go after the messenger, not the message. They go after the protesters, not why they're protesting for. January 6th prisoners. They try to make it all about an insurrection, forgetting that the prisoners were protesters against the stolen election of 2020. It's their MO. Destroy the person. And of course, they use the power of the deep state, or they used the power of the deep state to do that. So obviously, you can see that this was some sort of retaliation. I can't imagine a legitimate reason for the DOJ not to follow up on an offer like that. I felt like it was I was stonewalled, said Cummins. Oh, it felt like it was stonewalled, said Cummins, form, formerly Arkansas's chief federal prosecutor under President George W. Bush. It doesn't make much sense to investigate the guy who brings the allegations rather than the allegation. Sure it does. It doesn't make sense to imprison a whole bunch of protesters and not look into the reason why they're protesting. Unless, of course, you want to punish people, scare people, or make the actual issue or allegations go away. When he received the notice from Apple last October telling him that his data had been accessed three days, sorry, three years earlier, he said he found it, quote, perverse that you report an allegation of a pretty serious crime and then don't investigate the allegation, but they were investigating you. Now, folks, this wasn't all. As says here, Cummins' report was just one of a number of red flags raised with the DOJ between 2016 and 2020 about the Biden family influence peddling scheme. The FBI has had Hunter's abandoned laptop in its possession since December 2019, and Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, handed over the contents of his three devices and provided evidence of then-candidate Biden's involvement in his son's overseas business dealings during a five-hour interview with the FBI days before the 2020 election. But this is pretty big, folks. This is pretty big. That we're finding out that the DOJ had this stuff before 2018. Now, I said this was pretty big in, a, in an environment where they would actually investigate things. So once again, kudos to Just the News for breaking this story. And you see what happens. Crime does pay. But there's more to it, folks. It's not just 
the Bidens. But we also see here that Lichensko had believed that VP Biden and, and, look right here, Secretary of State John Kerry exercised influence to protect Burisma holdings in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden and to his business partners. Nothing to see here, folks. Oh, are we supposed to forget? Are we supposed to forget that John Kerry is now with his fake job, as we saw, as the climate czar? And that Joe Biden is now the fake president of the United States. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Joe Biden is awesome. He's so awesome. This is what he did. Jobs created by president. Average per month. This was, yes, folks. This was actually uh, tweeted out by Joe Biden. A graph of jobs created by president. The averages per month. Let's look at this. Reagan, Reagan was great, over 100,000, almost 200,000 jobs created per month. Herbert Walker Bush, he was terrible, half, half of what Reagan did. Clinton, oh man, Clinton was awesome. He beat Reagan, over 200,000 average per month jobs created. Oh, W. Bush was terrible, worse than his dad. But Obama, 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 the sanctified Obama brought it back up again. And then this is where the graph gets absolutely ridiculous and ridiculous. The greatest jobs creating president in the modern era on the graph here put out by Biden's people. He goes negative, minus 50 to 100,000 jobs per month. But then we got Biden 81 million vote Biden. That's right. 84 million vote Biden. Who supposedly is better than everybody else created all these jobs. Almost half a, uh, a over five, almost, yeah, almost 500,000, half a million jobs per week. So much better than Trump. Of course, we know that this is straight up malarkey. You don't need to be a genius to see what they're doing here. Now, this was uh, put on a tweet. This was tweeted out by the campaign, uh, by Joe Biden, excuse me. Emmanuel Rincon said, I'm just going to sit back and wait to see how the community notes destroy this manipulative post. Now, if you recall, there's now these community posts on Twitter where people can correct the record. They can fact check but it's more of a crowdsourced type of fact check, not a phony using the Southern Poverty Law Center to fact check. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. Here's the original tweet. This is what happens when you invest in America. We have more work to do, but this is real progress. And then came the replies. This is one of the most misleading charts I've ever seen. I'll community note this for you. Very misleading. And we all know this to be true, folks, because unless you're a child, you live through this. March of 2020, the U.S. was locked down due to the COVID pandemic. 
Unemployment skyrocketed and many people lost their jobs. Biden comes into office, lockdowns are ended, people go back to their work. Going back to work is what the Biden people are trying to pass off as, yeah, like we're going to fall for this, but they're trying to pass this off as job creation. What malarkey. Job creation. What malarkey. <laughs> it's like a broken record there. Folks, this is a BCP Unfiltered show. Appreciate you being here. Bear with me as I get used to our different uh, technology we're doing here. This is the camera I should be looking at, but I also have this other camera. Uh, I have the information over here. I have this camera over here, and I've got this monitor to make sure that I'm staying within frame. So maybe I should put my glasses back on so you can't see my wandering eyes. Maybe that's a... Oh, no, I guess my eyes are magnified. Maybe I should have sunglasses. I so truly love and appreciate the support that you guys have given myself and my family. Remember, here on BCP Unfiltered, we're a family operation. It's Papa James, the OG, the real black sort of patriot, in charge of this family outfit. Then we've got two of my children doing editing. And then we have uh, Junorette doing her show on YouTube still. Please support her show over on YouTube. It was used to be called the BCP Report, but we took that name away. She has that channel. I've given it to her. I can't be on YouTube. But there's no reason why she can't be doing what she's been working on. The current name of the channel is Nothing But The News with Juniorette. Please support her over on YouTube. So Biden is calling job creation simply people going back to work after the pandemic. Absolute shamelessness. As of my knowledge, Lawrence writes, there's no inter information to suggest that President Joe Biden has ever started a company or personally created any jobs. All he's done is take credit for the work of others. Biden has spent most of his career in politics serving as a U.S. Senator from Delaware from 73 to 2009, Vice President from 2009 to 2017, and as the fake president, the 46th president of the United States since January 2021. Before his political career, Biden briefly worked as an attorney, but not, did not start a company during that time. Joe Biden is a thief, a grifter, who doesn't know uh, honest day's work and just lives off of the efforts of others. Whether taking credit for what President Trump has or having other people see the election on his behalf. All right, so I want to show you what Representative uh, Nancy Mace said about what we can expect the day after tomorrow. There's going to be a hearing in D.C. and it looks like some sparks are going to fly. Let's, uh, let's check this out. Right. Imagine if that president were Republican, right? When Watergate happened, it was the press that was doing all the investigation. But I will tell you, with Jamie Comer at the helm of the Oversight Committee, if the Department of Justice and the FBI will not do their job, we will do their job for them. Because if you're willing to sell your country for cash, you should not be president. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, what our investigation is looking into is that very fact. And we're going to have a press conference on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. to reveal more evidence that 
that we found from suspicious activity reports and bank records. And meanwhile, of course, we have the subpoena that you mentioned earlier in the show. There's also a, a deadline on Wednesday for that document that we're looking for from the FBI. But this is very troubling because for years now, as you said, Trey, the left, you know, says that no one is above the law. Well, put your money where your mouth is and let's see where this investigation goes. I sure hope that Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican out of South Carolina, doesn't actually believe that the Democrats have any sort of morals or any sort of shame that would make them hypocrites. They only say that no one is above the law to justify their ridiculous witch hunt against President Trump. They don't really believe that. They just say that. I really hope that Nancy Mace knows that to be the facts. Now, she continues her conversation with Trey Gowdy and says the following. All right, Congresswoman, politics is partly about expectations. What's a realistic expectation? I mean, you can't indict, you can't prosecute, uh, and you don't have the Senate or the, or, or the executive branch. What's a realistic expectation for what the Oversight Committee can do? Well, if the evidence leads us there, then a referral to the Department of Justice would be the right next step, because this won't end if somebody has broken the law and their last name is Biden. This doesn't end until justice is served. A referral to the Department of Justice, the same Justice Department that has done nothing under Biden and with Attorney General Bill Barr under Trump didn't do anything either. As a matter of fact, they hid the Hunter Biden laptop and the crimes because they didn't want to be political during, or that was excuse by Barr and others during the 2020 elections. Yeah. Trey Gotti's right. They can do all they want. It has no teeth because they have no prosecutorial power. That being said, James Comer, the congressman leading the Oversight Committee and chair of the Oversight Committee, had this interesting thing to say yesterday with Maria Bartiromo on Sunday Futures, a message to the Department of Justice regarding their timing of Hunter Biden if they are indeed going to indict him. My message to the Department of Justice is very loud and clear. Do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday when you have the opportunity to see the evidence that the House Oversight Committee will produce with respect to the web of LLCs, with respect to the number of adversarial countries that this family influence peddled in. This is not just about the president's son. This is about the entire Biden family, including the president of the United States. That's why he's called the big guy. So we believe there are a whole lot of accounts that the IRS and the DOJ don't know about because we don't believe they've done a whole lot of digging in this. And we have. Uh, we've spent the past hundred days pouring over bank documents. I've used subpoena power to get these bank documents. We've been meeting with uh, former associates of the Bidens in their different influence peddling schemes. We've been meeting with whistleblowers. We know exactly uh, what this family was doing. And by all accounts from the, the media reports that we're getting, what they're looking at charging Hunter Biden on is a, is a slap on the wrist. It's a drop in the bucket. Of course, anything that they, if they ended up doing anything any kind of indictment with Hunter Biden would just be 
you know, no, slap on the wrist. No, don't do that. Stand in the corner. Time out for you. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Now, I know James Comer, like Representative Mace, is not, maybe they're being a little coy. Uh, they're not that naive to think, as James Comer said at the beginning of this clip, that the Department of Justice, maybe they, they don't know about this because they haven't looked into it in depth, but we have. No, they don't want to look at it. They've been in cover-up mode. I covered that earlier today. They've known since 2018 about what the current whistleblower is alleging. Comer had more to say. So Wednesday will be a very big day uh, for the American people in getting the facts presented to them so that they can know the truth. And then the Department of Justice can finally do what they should have done years ago. What? Well, obviously, the president's sons committed many crimes, many crimes. I mean, you're, you're looking at potential money laundering. Jonathan Turley comes on Fox all the time and talks about uh, he was essentially a foreign agent for countries like China. Uh, he's an unregistered foreign agent. They, you know, those are serious crimes. You've got the possible racketeering. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And again, Maria, it's not just the president's son. And we don't believe these countries were paying the Biden family for nothing. We believe yeah. they were getting a return on their investment. And the return on the investment would have been policy decisions for then Vice President Joe Biden and current President Joe Biden. Now, once again, folks, this would be huge news. And it is big news. And I'm going to cover it on Wednesday and give you the analysis. But once again, the House Oversight Committee does not have prosecutorial power. The Department of Justice does. And the Department of Justice is part of the Biden regime. Part of the Biden regime. I was actually somewhat impressed by Trey Gowdy, who wanted to be honest with Fox uh, viewers. Uh, let's go back to Representative uh, Macy and, and Trey Gowdy, you know, pushing back on this idea that, yes, you guys have all this information. You're going to present it on Wednesday, but what really can be done about this? You guys don't have the power to do anything. All right. Republicans control the appropriations process. You mentioned subpoenas and deadlines. It is hard to get people's attention in D.C. unless you use money to do it. Uh, do you think House appropriators are willing to assist your committee in making sure you gain access to all the information you need to do your job? I hope that every single Republican and maybe a few Democrats will do the work necessary to hold those who've broken the law accountable, particularly if they're in the highest office of the land. If a former president can be investigated, so too can a current president be investigated. And we want to make sure that we follow the facts, that we're not making up anything, that we follow the facts. And I will tell you, the first time, Trey, that I read those suspicious activity reports, and there were many, just for two Biden members, there were over 170. I was called and labeled a conspiracy theorist. As you know, I like to call the balls and strikes against both sides of the aisle, and I've done that through this investigation as well, and we'll continue to do that. We'll go wherever the, the evidence uh, leads us. Once again, she can't be that naive. It doesn't matter what the facts say. They will always call truth tellers conspiracy theorists. Now, Stephen Miller, one of my favorite people from the first term of the Trump administration. And that, of course, is Stephen Miller, who now leads America First Legal, 
which is trying to expose and uncover, along with the House Oversight Committee and good journalists, but through FOIA requests, show exactly how Joe Biden was part of a pay-for-play scheme, was selling and peddling influence, and was involved in very treasonous actions, not just then, but is continuing to do them now. This was his conversation with Maria Bartiromo yesterday on Sunday Morning Futures. Your take on uh, the other major story that is happening this week, and that is James Comer's press conference on Wednesday. America First Legal released records uh, showing uh, deals between uh, communist China and the Biden family. What can you tell us about these records that America First Legal uh, has been getting through the first uh, Freedom of Information Act? Yes, yeah, so we filed a Freedom of Information Act request for Vice President Biden's records pertaining to all things Hunter and Rosemont Seneca, the, the Hunter firm. And we've now received, since we filed that FOIA and since we filed a lawsuit to compel document production, we've now received three tranches of emails that have been stunning, whether it's been showing Vice President's use of personal email, which is, of course, forbidden, but also showing extensive, continuous collaboration and communication between the vice president's government office and Hunter Biden and his advisors. You cannot tell where Hunter Biden's consulting firm ends and where Joe Biden's office begins. They communicated and coordinated on press statements, on official foreign travel and foreign visits. You had Hunter Biden meeting with and talking with Tony Blinken before major foreign trips abroad. And you have to ask yourselves, what were they talking about? What were they discussing? What is Hunter Biden discussing with Joe Biden's advisors? And that's something that's going to have to be determined if the House is able to get these individuals under oath in a deposition to ask those questions. But clearly, these conversations were not about the weather. They were not about child care. They were not about vacation plans. This is well, about enriching the Biden family using the power of the state. Well, there were certain uh, memos that were shielded from you because they said, the government said that they were about government business. So how ironic. Yes. I mean, how yeah, could it be about shocking. government business if it's about Hunter Biden's business? That's exactly right. A great point made by Maria Bartiromo, right? Uh, this, you can't see this because these Hunter Biden emails that you've requested, remember, Stephen Miller said they requested through the FOIA request emails that had to do with Hunter Biden and his company, Rosemont Seneca. Yet, some of the information, lots of the information is redacted. But how is it redacted if supposedly there was no business dealings going on between Hunter Biden and his dad, Joe Biden, but the Hunter Biden's uh, Rosemont Seneca emails are being redacted because they have government business? Stephen Miller sheds more light. So one of the one of the documents that we got back specifically said we cannot it's all blacked out. We cannot give you any of the material in these emails because these Hunter Biden discussions pertain to the official business of government and advice and counsel provided by the president or the vice president and his advisors at the highest levels of government. This is official activity. We can't share it. it that 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 shield is an admission that what they are doing is using the Biden business to, to conduct foreign affairs. That is a complete betrayal of the American people. Come on, folks. 
What is that betrayal of the American people called? That's called treason. And that's why I call these people treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards. And what is the fitting punishment uh, for traitors? Hmm. Now, let's end with Stephen Miller tying his investigations and his FOIA request with what James Comer and Representative Mace were talking about previously. Let's weed this all together. And as my friend ABL, Anthony Brian Logan, who's still on YouTube, says, let's put a little neat bow on it. And you combine that with yeah. the shocking revelations that James Comer has put forward about the web of LLCs that has apparently been used to get around U.S. tax law, hello IRS, and that has been used quite clearly to enrich the Biden family, 10% for the big guy. You combine the money-making scheme with what we have uncovered in these emails. You can read them all yourself at aflegal.org. We've put them all out there. And what you may have is the single biggest foreign corruption scandal in American history that wow. now reaches all the way to the Oval Office. Once again, this is Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals, Marxism at play. And by that I mean blame your opponent or accuse your opponent of what you're actually guilty of. Everything they're doing against Trump is because they are actually guilty of it. Colluding with Russia, China, and foreign powers to enrich themselves. Now, let's go back to Comer real quick and what he wants or doesn't want from the DOJ before the hearing on Wednesday. My message to the Department of Justice is very loud and clear. Do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday. What if the DOJ does not comply? I mean, he's doing this press conference on Wednesday. What if they indict Hunter Biden on Tuesday and then everything is frozen off limits? Uh, you know, Comer said, then we'll go to plan B. What is plan B, do you think? That was going to be my last clip for this episode. Pay attention very closely to what Stephen Miller says here. Trey Gowdy pressed Representative Mesa on what could happen. Comer says they're going to go to plan B if, if the DOJ doesn't really cooperate, which we should fully expect them to not cooperate. This is where impeachment and the courts empowering the House GOP may actually have a little bit more teeth. Stephen Miller gives me just a little glimmer, a little glimpse of hope that all of this won't be for naught. Well, real quick, first of all, there's a very real chance that Hunter Biden will be indicted on very low-level, insignificant charges as a distraction play, both to shield Hunter and to also, more importantly, to shield Joe Biden from accountability. Don't put that past DOJ. As to the second point, they're going to have to, in my view, pursue impeachment against the uh, Attorney General of the United States if he does not fully cooperate and comply. And the context of that impeachment will give you enormous powers to bring people in for depositions and to compel yeah. discovery. And the courts will give the House enormous discretion. The House will then have power to impeach Merrick Garland, get discovery, and really put it out there. And the courts will give and uphold, according to Stephen Miller, the House's power in this impeachment investigation. That seems a little bit more likely to happen than Merrick Garland 
a total tool and puppet and partner of the illegitimate Joe Biden, it seems like that might be a more likely that we might see a plan B or plan C. Are you optimistic, folks? What are your thoughts? Please share them with me down below. Once again, we appreciate you joining us here on Patreon, on Locals, on Spotify for this video presentation or through the audio BCP podcast system on the various platforms. We appreciate you being here. Once again, folks, thanks for your support. Let me know if uh, what your thoughts are of BCP Unfiltered. As you see, we are going to keep the BCP podcast very simple and give you our all when it comes to the BCP Unfiltered show, which we will be presenting to you Monday through Friday. Give us your thoughts down below and invite a friend to check out the show and subscribe as well. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your love and we appreciate your patriotism. And don't forget to pick up some BCP podcast merch. The link is down below. Over the next coming days and weeks, we'll have other merch we'll be rolling out as well. Stay tuned. Ciao, goodbye, big hug. God bless. Gotta give us what we want. Uh, gotta give us what we need.